0: welcome to it's still happening the ancestral healing podcast for those of us who have noticed or are curious about the generational patterns we want to break so that we and our lineages can live a life of freedom abundance and belonging i'm your host ash johns as a spiritualist coach and strategist i recognize the power and freedom in calling in higher ancestors for healing We all have generational superpowers within us. It's my hope that you connect with yours, experience the transformation that naturally follows as a result, and receive the support you most need and deserve to live your destiny and leave a greater legacy behind. Now, if you've been desiring forward movement and growth, both personally and culturally, and know that we can't exactly move forward without going back, you've definitely found yourself in the right podcast and in divine timing. Here's your invitation into the world of ancestral healing and honoring the lineages of the past for a much brighter future. Welcome and enjoy It's Still Happening. Hey, y'all. So before you even get into this episode of It's Still Happening, you're going to notice that I introduced this podcast as Healing is Happening. That's because your girl was going back and forth on what I wanted to call this thing if I wanted to rename it and ended up staying with the original name. But let me tell you something, I'm still growing, I'm still doing my thing, and shout out to my podcast team because I was like, I'm not going to go and record all these things over again. So this season of It's Still Happening is (laughs) named Healing is Happening but that's not true. So I just want to make sure you're not confused and you get what's going down because that's just how we're going to roll. All right. Now enjoy the show. Welcome back y'all to Healing is Happening, the great podcast situation I've got going on. It's me, Ash, as you know, or maybe you're getting to know me and I appreciate that. Um, If you can't tell, By now, I am in super high vibes. I am feeling so good today, and I'm smiling really big. My heart is really open. All the possibilities are pouring around me energetically. I'm sipping some tea. I got my one day at a time coffee mug with me, but it's full of tea (laughs) because I'm still on my coffee detox, and I'm really excited to share with you more about my journey So the reason I'm being so generous with sharing my energy right now, take a moment to take some breaths so you can feel the goodness coming from me and heading over to you, my friends, my listeners, my community, strangers coming into my energy field, welcome, welcome. I want you to feel this. I want to take a moment of time to share with you more about who I am and how the fuck I got here in the first place because the internet is vast and wide and i know a lot of motherfuckers who's saying a lot of stuff and we're kind of like but who are you where did you come from what's the backstory and to be honest with you people have definitely been like i'm really resonating with what you're saying ash and i also don't know who the hell you are and i'm like really because I feel like I'm very transparent, but when you are being yourself and living your life, you forget to take a moment to introduce yourself and kind of talk about the milestones or the moments that made you you. So I wanted to stop for a moment and stop being rude and allow me to reintroduce myself or introduce myself for the first time. For those of you who are fresh to Healing Is Happening, the podcast formerly known as It's Still Happening And it's not that shit isn't still happening, it's just that I want us to recognize and be aware of what's still happening so we can lean into the healing that is available for us so we can be the change, lead our lives, walk our path, be in our freedom, and ultimately have a wonderful, positive impact in the world. So people ask me all the time how I got into this work that I do, which is a combination of life coaching, ancestral lineage healing, ritual and spiritual leadership, and conscious business strategy. And I tell them I literally have to share my whole goddamn life (laughs) for you to be able to see how I've connected the dots. Um, And that's going to take a long time, but I'm going to try to do it in 40 minutes with y'all today. Otherwise, maybe part two, maybe part three, four, five, I don't know. But I have said for years now that life truly does unfold just as it's supposed to when we follow the breadcrumbs because that is what I've done, that is what I've been doing and the more that I trust following the breadcrumbs, the more that my life continues to surprise me, which is why I'm so high energy today. And when we do follow the breadcrumbs, it gives ourselves permission to lean into the unknown. So... Right now, I just want to talk about something that is not part of the script because I have started writing my podcast episodes so I can stay on track. Because, as y'all know, if you listen to season one, I would start on one thing and then spirit would catch in and then i'm talking about so many other things and so i'm trying to harness the energy and channel it in one direction but you will get things like this so around this following the breadcrumbs um, to give yourself permission to lead into the unknown when i say that the number one thing people say and as a response or they write in their applications when they want to work with me or when I ask them why they join any of my group programs, it's because they feel like they need to stop being in control or they're afraid and or they are afraid of letting go of control to allow their life to unfold. And when we are always in control, that is a complete trauma response. Like that is inherited ancestral trauma ways of surviving where we think we're in control when we're really not it's really our emotions and our trauma driving the way and and illustrating the way that we're interacting with the world that's actually preventing us from the blessings and the love and the abundance and the freedom We so desire. So, there is a positive aspect of control of being structured and being responsible for your behaviors, of being focused on where you want to go based on your calling and your spirit. But when you are too fixated on that, you literally clog up your path and don't allow the universe, your spirits, or anybody else who is in alignment to your energetic trajectory to come in and meet you. And what I know is magic and meeting you in community is what is most needed to be in your path, your purpose, your freedom, and obviously, ultimately, living in abundant life. And that's not just financially abundant. It's abundant in energy, emotion, friends, connection, joy, love, pleasure, adventure, focus, like all the things, right? Right? Another thing that happens when we don't allow ourselves to follow the breadcrumbs and give ourselves permission to lean into the unknown is not only that we get stuck in this control situation and fixation, we also get stuck into waiting energy because we're essentially waiting for someone else to give us the push or give us the permission to go after what we want. And this actually is a teaching from one of my mentors, EJ. Shout out to you, EJ. I appreciate you and what your teachings and lineage have given me. But this energy is not what we want to be in because, let's be honest, it's not a good place and it easily puts us into victimhood, into disempowerment, and into waiting to be saved when the saving is truly within us and with the support of our spirits, our ancestors, and the communities that we cultivate. So this episode of sharing with you about my journey is how I have moved out of waiting energy so many times without knowing that that's what it was and allowed myself to leap into the unknown and flap my wings or grow my wings essentially as I was falling um, towards the ground and never actually hit rock bottom. In the moment, my emotions or my mind thought that I was hitting rock bottom, but truly when things were falling apart, they were actually coming together is what I like to see and have noticed over and over and over again. So let's get back on track because y'all know I will babble off, but this is gonna be so good. Get ready, I hope you have your notebooks ready because I teach by living and every time that I'm sharing something, I know there is an insight that could be applicable and that you can apply in your own life and living for your freedom. In the past few years, the discussion around ancestral healing has blown up in a sense. This makes my spiritualist and healer heart so very happy Because I know that when more people are open to connecting with their ancestors to heal the wounds we're carrying, the more capacity we have to be the change in the world. Hey y'all, I'm Ash Johns. And my experience has shown me that connecting with our well and elevated ancestors can break generational curses and open our ability to accept support and resourcing in our current life. And who doesn't need more support and more resource? I've worked with several individuals one-on-one in this way and realized that if I made space for a greater mass of energy, we could make bigger ways for more people to create a ripple effect of healing. That's what the month-to-month membership of Healing is Happening is all about. Twice a month, individuals just like you, looking to make a deeper connection with past relatives develop relationships with their ancestors, and move forward without the baggage that's been weighing them down, meet in a private community for facilitation, guidance, and support in their journeys. If you've been looking for a safe space for culturally sensitive topics that always arise when we're doing our healing, if you've had the desire to heal your whole lineage rather than a single soul at a time, if you've been aching for a trusted guide who not only walks with integrity, but lives the work themselves, here I am and you're not alone in this. You have your ancestor's support and you definitely have my encouragement. Healing is happening and we'd love for you to experience it in the now and in your life. To join the Healing is Happening membership community, visit healingishappeningforme.com. I can't wait to see you inside. So I wanna point out a few milestones in my path to freedom that I'm continually walking, and maybe it'll help you in yours. So number one is I allowed myself to dream. This is not brand new. You probably listen to other podcasts and people talk about dreaming, but I wanna really show you my process of continually dreaming over and over again and what it's done for me. So as a kid, I would dream about having a career that would allow me to have vacation days, to have a Blackberry, because that was the cool thing at the time. Everyone was like, and not the cool Blackberries, the ones that had all the buttons and like was just learning how to connect to the internet. <laughs> I wanted to have a job and a career that I had to answer emails and I got to travel the world and I had to attend conferences and speak and present important documents and creative materials. Like I knew exactly what I wanted to do which was essentially be somebody important. I dreamed of being someone important that had great impact and was needed in the world. And that also did something that was creative and associated with business. And that was because everyone in my family worked a blue collar job. And even if they didn't, they definitely were on the lower entry level Um, aspects of a business or a corporate job and we were always living paycheck to paycheck and to be honest with you that's even generous I don't even think it was paycheck to paycheck I think it was like robbing Peter to pay Paul and Johnny and Suzanne at the same damn time and like juggling all the time and what I really wanted was stability I wanted to know that there was money in the bank that even if there wasn't money in the bank, I knew how to generate it or I had skills and smartness and presence in the world to cultivate what we needed, not just what I wanted, but what we needed. So I would dream about that. I remember as a kid, I was like, wait, Adults don't have summer vacation. Like you work all the time, and I was like, "Yeah, no." When I become an adult, I'm gonna have summer vacation. Like I don't even know what y'all are talking about. That doesn't make any sense. Like I was dumbfounded that adults uh, work didn't stop in the summer. It was just weird. So early on, because of the circumstances of my household and the instability, and I did come from a household where my stepfather um, struggled with alcoholism and binge drinking and substance abuse, and there was a lot of physical and emotional abuse and sexual abuse in our household that I just used to literally, if you have heard me talk on other podcasts as a guest, I always mention this because it's so true and it's so profound, but I would sit in my bedroom because I had a strict house also, and I wasn't allowed to have friends or go out or do things. It was like church, school, home, chores, that's it. We would do stuff together. But I would go in my room and write in my Lisa Frank journals. I'm an 80s baby, okay? So Lisa Frank was a thing, late 80s, early 90s, um, where I would keep track of the things that were happening in our family. I would journal about my emotions. I would journal about the reoccurring patterns and the conversations that would always create confusion frustration arguments separations us moving I would just document these things what my mother would talk about my grandma would talk about what this is the reoccurring patterns and I was like I'm not going to repeat this when I'm an adult funny thing is even with all those notes some of the journals I still have okay I still have these journals from my kid years from my teen years I did repeat those patterns and I'm going to talk about that in a moment okay but in addition to dreaming about what life could be when I became an adult, I kept thinking of all of the things that I'm really good at, that I want to be able to essentially make bigger or live in a bigger way when I have my freedom, when I'm not under the rules of my parents. I love to paint. I love to create. I love to storytell. And I'm like, man, I'm not allowed to go and apply for like kid camps for creativity because we couldn't afford it. And my parents didn't trust other humans. They knew that people would prey on children or that I would be vulnerable outside of their so they, they didn't want to trust anybody else. So I wasn't allowed to do those things. And so I was like, when I become an adult, I am going to do all the things that light up my spirit. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to write stories. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to speak on stages. I'm going to help people. I'm going to dress how I want. Like I kept dreaming that and I never forgot it. So that's number one. If you are thinking of who am I and what is my life about, I wanna give you permission to dream or remember the dreams you once had and take those young kid dreams and bring them into the present moment of who the fuck you are right now and how you would bring them to life as an adult. What looked like painting is now interior design for me. I have a passion for interior design, always have, and want to build another business around that eventually at some point in time. Another thing is I grew up in a black church that was really a spiritualist church. It was not so Christian, even though we used the Bible, which that's another episode for another time. But our family only took family trips when it was for a revival. Like we could not afford to go on just vacations for fun. It was always for a reason, which was spiritual or religious. And I remember us taking a trip and we were going to Savannah, Georgia with our Family cousins, but they were like church family, but we called them aunt, uncle, and cousins. Um, shout out to the deans. <laughs> and I remember us getting in their family van, a full conversion van with the cool lights inside and like TVs. And so we have two families of, I think, four or five. No, we had a family of six, and they had a family of uh, four or five. I think there were five at that point in time. So we all get into this conversion van, and I remember us road tripping from, at the time, we were all living in Gary, Indiana right, which was the murder capital of America at the time. But we drove from Gary, Indiana, all the way to Savannah, Georgia. And when you're on the coast, you start seeing all these beautiful mansions and all these great homes and cars and tropical weather and like people out riding their bikes and laughing and ordering from the menu, looking from the left to the right, not the right to the left. And I started being like, I want that not for the materialism but for what it represented the freedom the joy the lack of stress like i was a kid very aware of stress and responsibilities before my time and that's no knock on my parents because what i know is struggling people do what they can do right when you're in survival mode you don't have the luxury quote unquote of nurturing You don't have that space when you're in constant survival trauma mode. So I honor my parents for what they did for me. And I knew I wanted to have reprieve and success so that I could heal that in myself and give back to them and other people. So I would always dream about that. Like what my house is going to look like, what my lifestyle will be like. It won't just be like eat food, go to work, come home, TV, done. Like that was never inspiring for me. And I remember my first boyfriend was like, you're never satisfied, like you're never satisfied you're always reaching and I'm like you also grew up in the fucking suburbs like I grew up partially in the suburbs but I'm from the hood I come from nothing your dad was working at IBM and your mom's a teacher with two cars luxury cars in the driveway and a home where the mortgage is paid off like we have always lived in apartments I have no choice but to work hard but to dream but to be focused and if you're not going to help me do that, bro, this isn't going to last. And it didn't. But he loved me a lot. And I appreciate that. But let me keep going on because I'm going on a tangent here. But I just remember being at school in high school. I went to Schomburg High School, one of the four or five high schools I went to. Again, another conversation for another time. But I will tell y'all, and this might be a shocker, I'm actually a high school dropout. I was going to graduate high school early. But because of all of the instability at home, I dropped out of high school Already had taken the the you know the tests and things to be able to graduate and decided to work full-time and I got an incredible full-time job at the Chicago Tribune and the advertising department, making, I think like at the time, I think I was making bank. I think I was making like 15 or $17 an hour at that time. And I was like, yeah, this is going in the direction that I want to go. Um, but I did, I dropped out of high school and then ended up going to college, which I'll talk about in a moment. But and when I was in high school, at Schomburg High School, I had a motivational speaker come in and speak to our class. And I remember he was a black guy and he really connected with me. I think when I first saw him, I made like a joke because I'm like, oh, here's another dumbass assembly. And he's like, oh, okay, we're going to see you, Miss Smarty Pants. He said something like that. I remember us having a short exchange where I was being disrespectful, actually. And he was like, I'm going to check you. And he did because I was in tears. I connected with him. I had to go to him after the talk and apologize and say how much he touched me and he said I know I saw that you are a special kid and you have something that you're going to do in the world but it was that moment that I was like I want to be a motivational speaker I want to help people I want to connect with people I'm going to be in business I'm creative so it's like these different moments of my life that started activating various skills interests passions and dreams from other people and other experiences so when I took the skills assessment in high school about what your personality says about your career paths that would be good for you of course i got advertising business motivational speaking interior design teaching like all of those things were there and said i'd be great as an actor or an actress or in the um arts field as a makeup artist which i've done all those things i could have gone way more into acting but i did not (laughs) at least not yet um But yeah, these are things that I don't forget. They're the little breadcrumbs that have told us things about who we innately are, our soul, the tapestries of our spirit, our essence. that has been there the whole time. So I dreamed of being the first person in my family to be a business person, to have a sustained life, to be abundant and generous, to break the chains of poverty, instability, terrible marriages, and generational curses around depression, suicide, dysfunction, and essentially victimhood. And I don't use that word because when you say victimhood, people really get triggered, especially within the context of American history and being an African American and enslavement um, that pisses people off. And I hear you right our people have gone through so much and i want to be the prayers they pray for I am not interested in holding my ancestors' pains in my bodies as if to validate their lives. I validate their lives by being a fucking amazing person, by stepping into my power, by leading the way that I want to, by creating what I want. All the prayers that they wanted is what I'm responsible for living. And I'll talk about that a little bit more, but I just want to be really clear about that because people get triggered when I say that. And I'm like, listen, I'm not saying that we need to just lift ourselves up from our bootstrap when we have a bunch of years of systemic injustice on our backs. But I'm also saying, and so let's heal and do something about it. Yeah. My point of view, if you don't like it, there's other podcasts that'll serve you. But if you're here for this, that's the medicine you're going to get. All right. Okay. So I dreamed of my definition of being free so that I could share that with my family and then the world. And I have done that for a very long time. Now, that did lead me to going away to college out of state. I went to school in Kentucky. I went to school at Murray State University, go racers, where I became a student athlete. And I became a student athlete, frankly, because of my ex-boyfriend, who was a football player. And he was like, just come to school with me. Let's just be students. And I was like, "Okay." I've always been responsible and like working a job and being so serious about my life and my responsibilities that I was like, this sounds like fun. (laughs) And I walked on as a rower. I was on the women's crew team, y'all, which taught me a lot about the discipline and the structure and the focus and the hard work that my stepdad tried to instill in me, but he instilled it in me as best he could based on teaching, not on demonstration. So there was a disconnect where when I got on the crew team, it was like, you must be on the water at 4 a.m. You must push through. You cannot Think of anything else but what you need to be doing. So it was basically crew, school, career. Crew, school, career, a little bit of my boyfriend as crew. <laughs> like, and I dated the same person all through my college career, which is interesting. I wonder if college would have been different if I wasn't. Anyway, but that led me to moving, which I'm grateful. Let me let me take a moment back. I'm really grateful for my college experience because it made me stay focused on the end goal, which was to get a stable career that I was proud of, right? That was creativity and business in a city that I loved um, that would give me the upper mobility I needed to create stability that I never had, right? And that would light up all the things that I wanted in my life. And so that led me to moving to California, moving to Connecticut, moving to New York City to pursue a career in advertising, And I never took a no. I just kept charming my way into the industry the best way I could, which allowed me to be one of 50 students um, inducted into the Rising Star program. It was by the American Advertising Federation. Every year, they pick 50 students across the country who are rising stars, who will change the industry. And I was handpicked for that and one one of the only hires at an ad agency during the recession. And I'm really proud of that. I think about it all the time. Now, there's a lot of hurt and pain that came out of going into advertising around um, my abilities and my trust in myself and my um, mental capacity because it is a cutthroat industry. But it's also skills that I'm able to apply in my work and my business that is uh, more aligned with my purpose and who I am, which we'll talk about later. I feel like I say that for every section. We're going to talk about that later. <laughs> but hang in, y'all. Um, We're following the breadcrumbs, right? Right. So what I just described is the moment that I decided to take space. And this is milestone number two. Milestone number one was dreaming. Milestone number two is taking space. I took space from family. I took space from quote unquote friends who really weren't about upward mobility and being responsible and having a good time in their life, but also knowing that life goes on. Like we need to be, do something that's going to help her, you know, help our lives be better because I didn't have a fallback plan. I didn't have family who was going to bail me out or had a credit card to help me. All my student loans, all my scholarships, all my payments came from me working two and three jobs over the summer, um, saving up and applying for FAFSA on my own, right? Because my family just didn't know. They didn't have the capacity to do that. So By taking space, I was able to move into and remember my dreams even more to harness my drive and to be more focused and open to new possibilities being true for me and my life. If I didn't separate from family, if I didn't separate from friends and other distractions, I would have succumbed to the same energies, programming, and beliefs that they held that did not match my dreams. And this is really hard. This is even hard in ancestral healing practices because one of the first things I tell people is that we have to create boundaries and space with the ancestors first so that you can just get stable in your own energy for a moment. Not that you don't share DNA with them, but your ancestors are all around you and they are imposing their desires and interests, whether they are elevated, smart, wise, noble, capable ancestors or not. And we all have a lot of ancestors and energies, even from living family members, that are clouding our dreams and our ability to step into our um, conviction and authority and agency. So there's a lot of letting go that happens when we take space that cannot happen when we're trying to stay connected. But we're often afraid to take space or move away because it means that we're abandoning or turning our backs on our people. And that's not true, especially if you come from people who were enslaved as Africans and African-American people here. If you are the the descendants of immigrants or the child of immigrants or first generation, when we create separation, we're like, oh no, that means we're ostracized and we're alone in this wild and crazy world. But the truth is Every leader requires a moment of solitude. I don't care what book you read, whether it's the Bible or the alchemist. There is a moment where the leader, the hero, the healer is alone in the wilderness. That is a rite of passage. That is an initiation that will allow you to step into your leadership for yourself and that leadership for yourself will then expand to other people. So do not skip this step. You must take space and you have to take space in a lot of ways not just vacations not just moments away from work but moments away from people and thoughts and places so that you can harness into what's truly for you and I do this very well like super well I've even left programs of people that I loved industry leaders colleagues being like this shit isn't for me right now I need to do something else So we stay stuck when we don't take up and make space for ourselves, when we're trying to belong, when we're trying to blend in, and we're trying to be accepted instead of forging forward so we can lead others and fulfill our own destiny. And I still fight with this. I'm not going to lie, y'all. Like I feel like I'm always in this bouncing back and forth of wanting to be in all the community and also wanting to be in deep solitude. And to be honest with you, moving back and forth between the two creates the balance where in our minds or in my mind, I think of having the two at the same time is the balance and that just hasn't been true in my life yet. We'll see. But I have realized that the more healing I do, the more unearthing of deeper personal and ancestral fears, the more I root in, stand tall, and lead forward. So space is a big one that has served me very well. And here's an example. After I was in advertising, I ended up moving into brand strategy, like quitting advertising. And then I also co-founded a video production company with that same college ex-boyfriend. And it was the only black-owned video production company in Chicago at the time. I was very proud of that. I was also freelancing as a makeup artist on the Big Ten Network and loved the whole like overlap of creativity and business. But again, I wasn't running my own business and it certainly was missing the spirituality. So here's a tip too that I've learned in my journey of what's brought me into this work is that you have to identify what are your truths and your pillars that make up who you are. Which really happens when you allow yourself to dream and go back to the very beginning of what I was talking about. For me, it's always been purpose driven. It has to make a bigger sense. It has to have great impact in the world. It has to be creative. I'm not going to follow anybody's boring ass template, Excel spreadsheet. I'm not super big into math unless it's about making money. Um, that's just not my the sciences, not my jam. But it has to be creative. Okay, I have to figure out how to do something my own way. It has to be. Creative. I don't know any other way to say that. And it has to make sense with business. I've always been, as I've said, business minded and interested in commerce and exchange for money, goods, and experiences. So those things are true for me. So my pillars were always creativity, purpose, spirituality, and then business. Those four things. I needed to have those in my life. They've always been present in my life, but I need to harness them. So when I was a makeup artist, being able to be creative and have some business and have a little bit of spirituality because people would get out of my chair and be like I don't know what you did but I'm so relaxed I'm ready to go on stage like your energy feels good and you know they didn't know what I was doing I didn't even know what I was doing at the time I was just like I got good energy and I just share it with you and make your face up and want to support you as you go out there and do your best you know it was a indirect way of being spiritual but I wasn't making the money that I wanted to and there was some It was good energy exchange as far as spirit, but the healing wasn't really happening, right? So, and that's the reason why I left advertising. I'm like, man, I'm making all this money and I guess there's a purpose to it, but it's really just making these companies more billions and millions of dollars. It's not really changing the world. I don't care how many social corporate responsibility projects you have, like, you're still damaging the earth and harming black and brown people and quieting white women's voices. And I don't know, it's just, it's not filling me up. I don't feel connected. I feel like, I feel like it's just, I don't know, a cover up for something bigger that I'm called towards. So I had to take space by leaving all of that and going to Bali. And it was the hardest thing, really. It was the hardest moment of taking space, more than leaving my family for college, more than leaving friends to go and do work and care about my family. Bali was off the charts. And that's because I literally went to the other side of the world and started all the way over, gave away everything, quit a career, didn't know the language, had to take a risk. I didn't even have a whole proper work visa when I first got there because it takes a moment to actually get your legal working business visa. So it was extremely hard. It was a new culture. It was a new life. It was kind of illegal. And I was learning how to be an immigrant for the first time, right? I've been the descendant and I am the descendant of enslaved people on this American land, but I've never chosen to go and live uproot, create house and home in another country which gave me space for my ancestral trauma of being the descendant of enslaved people from Africa and also space from being the descendant of colonizing people from Europe. I needed that. I felt freedom for the very first time when I took up space and moved to Bali and I became aware of the responsibility of my freedom and also how my freedom can affect others, which ultimately led me back to the States. I'll leave that whole entire unpacking of my Bali experience for a future episode but I just want to point out there is responsibility with your freedom and when we take space we start to experience what our freedom could really be and what it's going to take for us to sustain it and share it okay so I wanted to reduce harm on the culture of the Balinese people in the Indonesian country Which brought me back to the States. And also, it was really bringing my learnings back to my communities here. But taking up space is something that continually serves me and is part of the way that I even got into the work. Because if I hadn't, I wouldn't have put these things together in a sustainable business. All right? So I want to talk about what actually led me to get to Bali, because a lot of people were like, it was a breakup, or you got fired, or you were depressed, and I'm like, none of those things happen, actually. Yes, I heard about Bali because I was in love with this man for so many years, and he talked about Bali, and I was like, what the hell is Bali? Like, where is that? And I just kept it in my mind, being like, you know how women do, we're like, we're fantasizing on getting married at this place, and lo and behold, that never happened, obviously, but It was important, like every relationship gives you something and maybe besides all the other lessons I learned from that incredible, amazing man, he did give me the name of Bali and it unlocked something very special for me. So shout out to him because I appreciate that as one of the many gifts that I I received from our relationship. But before I left for Bali, what was really happening was I, I was creating a ceremony and a ritual practice and didn't even know it. I remember having a very simple daily morning practice that essentially was me conjuring up and visualizing the next step in my life without directly saying it, which is a really good hack. I think Abraham Hicks and like some of these manifestation people talk about this as far as getting really general on what you want to feel or what you want without having to be so fixated on the actual um, personification or um, manifestation of the physical physicality of it and that's what i was doing like yes i was moonlighting at night going to all these spiritual ceremonies doing all the plant medicines traveling to peru traveling here and there becoming a reiki master so the spiritual stuff and remembering what's happening I was training with um, one of my first spiritual teachers who got me into NLP, got me into hypnotherapy, got me into all type of magical sorcery things. (laughs) But um, what I really was doing every morning was breathing, lighting an incense, looking at the sunrise. Um, I would drink some water, like lemon water, and I would just give myself affirmations that I was ready for my next level of transformation. I would say, I am open to what the world is gonna give me. I'm gonna have a fantastic day. I'm absolutely brilliant. I trust myself. And I did have a little bit of a vision board on my um, wall that talked about traveling the world and like eating healthy and being in love and all these things. So that was across cross for me, but I wasn't fixated. Like I had no idea I was gonna move to Bali at all or even go there for a vacation because that's really what happened. I went there for vacation first and then I ended up moving there, fully moving there like eight weeks later, right? So opening up to the idea of what's my next transformation is what this next milestone is. So we went through dream, we went through taking up space, and then what I was doing was making a declaration or essentially creating a petition to the universe that I'm open for the next level. Bring me what is aligned to my path, my essence, my soul, my purpose, the thing that will create a legacy, the thing that will light up my soul and make me feel like I'm living my best life. I'm ready to step into it. I'm ready to live in my calling. I don't even know what the fuck my calling is, but I'm conjuring up my next life and I want the power to hold it. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. So. Lo and behold, I took a, um, a leap, I booked a trip to Bali, I fell in love with the place, I got so many confirmations, met so many people, Folks kept coming up to me being like, hey, you're coming to my party next week? I want to invite you to my party. And I'm like, I'm a tourist on vacation hanging out with locals and local expats. I am not going to be here next week. I don't know what you're talking about. They're like, oh, give me your WhatsApp number. We need to stay in touch. Like, you're totally going to move here. And I'm like, why the fuck is everyone telling me I'm moving here? Like, I have a business. I am still consulting. I'm still doing brand strategy work. I got a man back at home. Like, I'm not going nowhere. I'm taking my ass home. And sure enough, I saw a reader who confirmed it without directly saying it you know and she nailed it and there you go eight weeks later I was living in Bali so don't discredit the ability to declare and petition for what you want even if it's in the most general sense what makes it true and really activates it is if your heart is truly open I was so open I didn't give a shit what it was. (laughs) I wasn't saying I need to live in Colorado or I need to be in a mansion or give me um, $100,000 a month and all these things. I was just like, what aligns to my spirit? What is the next thing that needs to happen so that I'm I'm becoming my whole self physically in this world? Bring it to me, y'all. Bring it to me. I'm down. That's it. Total surrender. Total ask and surrender. All right. So what happened next though is trust. That's the next thing you need to write down because once it came, once Bali came to me, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm leaving my career. I'm leaving my amazing Michigan Avenue apartments. Like I'm leaving my nice lover behind. Like what the fuck? What am I about to do? And um, the opportunity presented itself to move so quickly, I had to trust it. I was like, Didn't you say you want transformation? Didn't you say you wanted adventure? Didn't you say you were down for tropical weather because you were tired of Chicago winters? Didn't you say that you wanted to go more into healing and abundance? That's exactly what I said. So I got to trust this because everything about it looks good. There's some holes and some gaps, and don't get me wrong, I checked the details. My interview for the retreat center that I ended up working at was all over Skype. I was like, what if these people get me over here and I'm entered into sex trafficking? Like, what the fuck? I was so afraid, but I also was trusting what I felt inside and what my petition was, that I really was bored as fuck in Chicago and was like, what am I about to do with my life? I could settle and stay into this and go ahead and get married and do the whole suburban thing or urban thing and have some babies, or I can like go into the world. And I chose to go into the world. And as I leaned in, I ended up getting that retreat job, and it paid the exact same salary and gave me an incredible three-bedroom, three-bath pool villa, and I couldn't believe it. It was the same salary as, as the U.S., and it gave me incredible housing. So... And that was really important because I also didn't have to pay taxes there and I also didn't have to pay taxes in the U.S. based on the tax laws and the agreements and all the things. So I was like, hallelujah, I'm going to do this shit. So anyone else would have been like, I need to see the contract, I need to see the paper, no, 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 how's this going to work and da, 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 da. Trying to control it all instead of trusting their petition, trusting the breadcrumbs, trusting their life unfolds. And I swear to you, every time I do this, I get what I want, I get what I need and my life is so motherfucking juicy as a result. So that job um, at the women's retreat turned into the first place where I combine all of my gifts of healing, business, and coaching, right? I already had a bunch of credentials and initiations relating to spirituality, um, ancestral healing, conjure, um, hypnotherapy, NLP, like I had done so many different modalities, plant medicine, I did a medicine woman initiation, which was like a year long thing. Actually, it was a year-long program, but I dropped out of it at month nine when I was like, "I got what I needed. I'm done." But that's again another conversation for another time. I have so many stories to tell y'all, but trust, I got my medicine woman initiation, which that's going to be a really good episode. Um, but it was it was it was my first time bringing all the things that I cared about that I had since I was a kid. The dysfunction in the family always wanted me to look at the deeper healing needed, right? To connect to our souls, to create balance and homeostasis and care and love in a space. Business because we were so poor and I care about business. I just generally like it. I think it's fascinating to me. And coaching of holding space for people. It all came together in that space, which I'm so grateful for. And I ended up working with essentially over 80 women or on average 80 women a month from all over the world, women who were from South Africa, Australia, the UK, Thailand, the US, Canada, Belgium, Spain, like so many places they were there. One thing I loved about my time in Bali was not only did I get to bring together all my skills and learn them or work them or cultivate them on the job while getting paid, but I also was continually doing my healing work. I was getting initiated into Balinese purification practices and learning how to work with my ancestors over there and learning how to speak to different spirits of different levels on the land, all the things that I was very much so interested in, but wanted to bridge that into actual live life and relationships and business. And a lot of people talk about how there are different expats who live in Bali. There are like the hippies who are there just to do yoga training and like, have a good time and live off the land and kind of bum around beach bums and surf bums. No disrespect. Then there's the people who are like all about the cultural stuff. They live in Ubud and they do cacao ceremonies and money isn't real. And they just do all of the um, Shakti, um, Tantra work and like all of that. And then there's the business spiritual people who we live. Notice I said we because I'm one of those people. We live in Seminyak. We live in the South where we're like, I'm all about the spirituality. I'm also about this money. Like, what are we doing? I'm in community. I want to be learning the language. I want to be having a good life here. And I'm about It's all the things. And I, I could not live my life without all of them, right? So that's what I did there. And I called the business in... Three more streams of revenue, growing it from a $1.5 million business to a $3 million business in one and a half years, right? So it wasn't just about this one retreat. It was about extensions of that retreat and different excursions, bringing more of the culture into the the retreat so that we actually have a balance between this Western and Eastern situation, reducing the power dynamics going on with Western people, which is, again, another conversation for another time. And then bringing in apparel and um, courses and other ways that the women could do more when they went home. Because one of my issues with running the retreat is retreat. You know, you're running from one thing to get reprieve elsewhere, but then you go back home and do the same shit or go back into the same energy, which ultimately made me fall out of love with retreats for a while. But before I fell out of love, I did become a consultant for that retreat and branched out into my own consulting work with other spiritual entrepreneurs. And the more that I worked with spiritual entrepreneurs, the more I realized, yes, they need the coaching, which is why I got my actual coaching certification to make sure I wasn't fucking up people's minds with like actually could be a coach to hold the space properly while helping them with the healing work. Because the more coaching I did, I was like, this is beyond your mindset. This is, and I even see it in my own journey, it's not just the mindset. I've had years and years and years of therapy. What's going on underneath that is ancestral and personal wounds. And mindset just helps you reframe it. Not to say that it's not powerful work, because it is. But it will help you reframe it so that you can take action. Where healing allows you to get to the core wound, shift the energy around it, and now have new ways of operating and access. Greater capacity to things that you did not have before you started doing your healing. So, to me, spirituality without actual life change makes no sense. And coaching without getting into the deeper healing and the core wounds makes no sense to me. It has to be both. And that's what I was really working out and testing over those years while I lived in Indonesia. So as I invested in myself and my own business while helping other people, my personal and ancestral wounds would come up around all the things, around abundance, if I'm enough. And the more that I went deeper and deeper into my own healing and started connecting with my own ancestors, they would be like, yeah, that's not you. That's me. Every woman hasn't wanted to give up control because of what happened. And I'll do an episode specifically around the insights of core healing that I've uncovered with my ancestors. But for right now, I just want to give give y'all an overview. For right now, I want to give y'all an overview of um, what ancestral healing has done for me. It has really allowed me to not feel so heavy in what's happening in my life as if it's only me. I think the wellness and spirituality and coaching world is like, You, you change your mind. It's all about you, you, this individualized perspective instead of coming into the collective ecosystem of our lives. Our lives are not only our own. And the more that I tried to break generational patterns of my own, the more I kept repeating them because it was energetically embedded in me. We're not even looking at the science science around this scientifically, around epigenetics and genes, right? What I've inherited, But the thoughts, the energy, the behavior, the fears, those things are imprinted and embedded in you because your ancestors are around you. And the more that I do that work, I set boundaries with my ancestors, I let them do the healing and the elevation work with ancestors that are way old, the ones that I don't even know their names, the more that my life started to shift. One of the reoccurring wounds I am still working on that I'll share with y'all right now is moments when my lineage, me and my people are not in our path. Like when you kind of veer off your unique path and your calling, depression sets in because you're not aligned. We're not aligned. So every time I start feeling like shit, unless someone's fucking with my energy, because I'm not going to lie, with more visibility, that has been happening. And it's so annoying because I'm like, you could be working on your own life instead of trying to fuck with mine. But- Again, another conversation for another time. If it's not that going on, it's truly where have I decided to abandon my path based on fear, right? Or based on what the world wants from me, which is still connected to fear. And when I tune into that for myself and then I take it to the ancestors to find it in the lineage, clarity starts to come. So that's uh, what I want to share with y'all about that, which there'll be so many more episodes in the future regarding that. But investing in myself, managing my energy, trusting myself to take those leaps to trust and to go after things that are aligned with what I was petitioning or asking or my dreams is what has empowered me in my path to be a spiritual entrepreneur, to be a coach in the world of healing, right? Last thing I want to talk about is remembering because along the way, I have had to constantly come back to a place of remembering and then healing and then applying. And this is really where ancestral healing comes in, in my opinion. It wasn't until I got deeper into ceremony with my ancestors and higher self that I realized the issues I was having were always there, even before my birth. People talk about family healing and generational trauma and epigenetics and gene mutation, even how trauma is passed on in pregnancy from the grandmother who's pregnant to the grandchild, which is the baby's baby, if it's female, right? Uh, Assigned female at birth. The eggs in that fetus are already there for the grandchild, so you are feeling and experiencing everything the grandmother is going through in her life when you are still an egg. So a lot of things are affecting us three generations through which is another reason why my ancestral healing is different than others because i'm like you can't be just calling on your grandma to help you with generational wounds and traumas and baggage when she experienced the thing that you are experiencing like she's holding the same trauma we need to go beyond her so that those ancestors can elevate her and clear that energy out of her reinstill the blessings so that you can clear the energy out of your field and you can embody the blessings and then that's reinforced with your behavior change But no one wants to hear that because everyone wants to just toss up an altar and call their grandmama and them up in the house and then be looking at me crazy when they're wondering why their life is all weird and shit. And yet when we look at the coaching, spiritual, and wellness industries, we're still fixated on only your life and only what you can control and changing only your narrative. Meanwhile, really your narrative is a culmination of hundreds of people and ancestors before you. Now, that might feel heavy and out of control, like you have no hope, and that makes sense because we Western, colonized, trauma-filled people love control, or the idea of it there as. we're like, if I change my mind, I can change what I want. And, and let's be honest, you can. You can do mindset work and take action and manifest or build whatever the fuck you want, right? That shit works. Like Tony Robbins and them are selling out stadiums on that but it's not changing the reoccurring ancestral patterns that got us into those mindsets in the first place. Let me say it again, y'all. It's not changing the ancestral reoccurring wounds that we all have that created those mindsets in the first place. Therefore, we're not evolving humanity. We're doing mindset and coaching work just to attain more material things and have a higher quality of life, but we're not doing the healing work that's going to transform humanity and allow you to have whatever the fuck you want. I want to do the deeper thing because you get both. The other one is not. I know a lot of successful coaches. Hell, I've had moments of having success and my insides were fucked up. Okay? (laughs) Real talk. And I was like, oh, let me get in here with these ancestors. What's going on? Right? So unless, of course, we're playing to the one God Almighty, and there are many gods, by the way, but that's not what this podcast is about. Most people do not look at the collective. They don't want to give up control. They want to think that if I put my effort towards it, then it will change. And that's truly not how the world works. We're all connected and we're connected to the ancestors and their past. So when we talk about social justice or reforming these politics or shifting institutional whatever, we need to be looking to the ancestors to let go of their fears so that we can implement change in our own lives and in this world. What I've learned and experienced and also witnessed in my facilitation of ancestral healing and personal empowerment is that balance of personal and ancestral healing is the key. There's a personal responsibility of undoing different behaviors and thoughts and beliefs, and there's the ancestral healing, which shifts the energetic tapestry of your belonging and your family and how you're showing up in the world. Think about it. If we all did ancestral healing, the energy of this planet would shift. If we all were able to let go of really old fears, we can deal with just the present fears of right now instead of compounded fears. You'll know what is yours to change and what is theirs, the ancestors to clean up and support you when you do ancestral healing. And I do it all the time on myself. I'm constantly calling them in being like, Where is the wound around this? What's going on around this? Who in the family first experienced this abandonment? Let's clean that shit up. Okay, cool. It's cleaned up. They're elevated. What do you need? What do I need? How do I embody that healing in my own life? What practices? What new thoughts do I need to have? Oh, really? I can't be friends with them anymore because they also hold that energy and they're not wanting to heal it or shift it? Bet. Boundaries in place. Moving forward. Yeah? To give you a little bit of an overview and an example. There are many ancestors who are not well, who are not elevated, who are not worthy, and definitely are not trustworthy of our reverence and request for support. And this is something I teach at the very beginning because when I first started doing ancestral healing in my own life, I was like, hey, you know, Grammy and such and such and whoever else come on through and then I'm like oh wait I don't feel so good like it's actually making me more sad more upset like more anxious more doubting myself I'm like oh this isn't it or they'll come in trying to help you but they're bringing all of their unresolved stuff with them so it's like a mother trying to stop you from crossing the street even though if they trusted you to cross the street you would go and and be part of your your calling Like everything that you want is across the street, but they're like, it's dangerous to cross the street, fear, 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 don't cross the street. And you're like, but mom, trust me to cross the street. And they're like, nah, ancestors can do that. This is why we need lineage ancestor healing and ancestor lineage healing so that you can then trust yourself and be supported by them to go ahead and cross the street, to give that metaphor all the way through. There are many ancestors who are ready and they want to help fix their wrongs and do that through our own living lives and to see their legacies thriving and moving forward. That's what we want to do. That's what I continually see and feel in my own life. They were like, this is the one who is willing to say no, take a risk, leap out on faith do something different than other people in the family have done in a while because of all of the reasons and all the traumas and all of the fragmentation in the lineage, we choose her. Actually, she chose it. It's both. They've chosen me. I signed up for it. I came through, and here I am doing what the hell I'm called to do. Now, I've had ancestors come through who gave me great protection and support when I was alone, right, who was like, don't worry, you're going to be okay. And I'm like, it doesn't feel like it, though. (laughs) My Lord? <laughs> um, I've had ancestors who, when I prayed for it and then I hit the pavement, right? You got to do the spiritual work and the practical work. When I prayed for it and then hit the pavement, they gave me the home that I most desired when there were 10 other people putting in applications before me, right? And anyone else would have been like, Damn. I'm not even from this country. No one else is going to get it. This is when I lived in Australia. I'm like, man, there's so many people in there. And I'm like, nah, I want this place. I feel it. It'll be right. And then they did. They selected me. I was the person who got the place. I've had ancestors who showed me in my dreams what was going to happen or when someone was going to die or transition so that I could prepare and trust, right, and be able to stand strong for people who needed it. I've had ancestors who are money-making, economy-driving, and empire-building women guide me in my own business development, and I deeply appreciate and honor them. So whatever gifts lie in your lineage, they can help you, okay? That's the whole point. Let's do the healing and then apply it in our lives. But first, we got to do the ancestral healing. Before we can fully get into being the change, we got to do the healing and we got to continually do the healing. It's a whole lifestyle, to be honest with you. All right, y'all. So that's what I mean when I say this work is deeper than mindset work and it gives you far more than just following the steps of someone's program for material gain. It's truly healing and deep work and bringing it into the physical material world. That's what my life is about. That's what I've been doing. That's what I'm still doing. And here's a little bit about my journey moving from kid born in Detroit, living in Chicago, going around to group home and different schools and dropping out and getting a career and moving into the healing arts and combining that with business and living abroad and traveling to all these different cultures. And then finally being here to present this podcast to you. And I'm grateful for the folks over the years who've allowed me to work with them, not only in my training, but also once I was fully established, you know, I do regularly still get readings to check in on my trajectory in my life um, because we also, we do need community. Um, And every time I'm like, they tell you, they're like, yo, you're not a rookie. You're doing it. Your people are proud of you. They are down for this. You are doing something that is deeply needed in the world in a way that is different. And sometimes we stop ourselves from doing what is unique to ourselves and our path because it doesn't look like anyone else. And that's literally shooting yourself in the foot and denying your calling and sort of kind of spitting in your ancestor's face, if I can be a little crass for a moment. So... I just wanted to share with y'all my journey and how i got into ancestral healing to me the overlap of business ancestral healing and personal development there there is no separation between the two if we truly want to have an impact in the world and change our humanity heal our humanity it's a requirement and i'm excited to be a person to share my perspective and my lived experiences in it i hope to hold space for you in this, if it's meant for us to cross paths. If you're interested in that, definitely check out Healing is Happening, which is my group ancestral healing membership program. You'll learn more about that, okay? All right, y'all, this was really great. I hope that you get more context into who I am and how I got here. Definitely so much more to come. But in all things, we know that we have a unique path. And if you say you don't wanna repeat the patterns, if you say you wanna break generational curses and patterns and chains then ancestral healing is what's needed because behavior change alone mindset shift alone ain't gonna do it boo all right y'all have a great day on the lands in which you get to live and work on take care thank you for taking the time to listen to another episode of healing is happening if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to rate, review, share with someone you love, and most definitely subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Speaking of, I love connecting with others during their remembering, healing, and transformational journey. So feel free to reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Ashinspires. Or if you'd like to connect on a deeper community level, check out my website and services at ashleyjohns.com. All the links to do so are in the show notes. Now, I can't wait to hear about what's going down with your lineages, both of the past and present for your freedom and abundance. So don't be a stranger. Until next time, my friends, fans, family, and foes, I hope you continue walking your unique path of freedom with courage and compassion. May you and your people be well on the lands in which you get to work, live, and thrive on. And remember, healing is happening.